0: Um, and I started watching parents. Uh, I knew that um, how I was raised was one thing, and like I could say, I know a lot of things I don't want to do, but I don't know a lot of things I do want to do. And So I started watching parents, and I still do it to this day. And I get a kick out of it. The other night I was watching this this um, young mom, and, uh, and uh, she was sort of wrestling with these two little ones, and somebody brings... Brings a, a gift, and uh, the 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 older of the two little ones didn't really like it, and sort of disdained it, and uh, and I could tell that you know the young mom was wanting to train the girl and also you know receive the gift from the giver, and and so the you know the the young mom was trying to bridge the gap between the the gracious giver and the ungracious recipient. And if you've parented much, you've been there, right? You've been there where your kids are just being real, and they don't know how to be tactful and be thankful uh, and to express gratitude for something they don't necessarily like. And you're trying to play that game of getting in between it. And then uh, sort of afterwards, you're still working to, to, to help them understand that Man, being someone thinking of you is really gracious, and someone giving something to you is really gracious, and it could be you don't even understand the gift or the giver. Well, it was funny, and uh, it wound up, I was watching this mom, and she wound up putting the child in timeout, and the, and the child was sort of over somewhere where you couldn't see them unless they wanted to be seen in timeout. And it was it was funny i was I was looking like, where did they go and this this is how it looked. I don't know how well this will play on camera, but I was looking like, where did they go and this is you know, they wanted to be seen, and they wanted to be clearly seen that they were not happy. you know they had to stand up, present themselves, and i I laughed, I laughed for multiple reasons, I laughed because I wasn't the one having to teach the discipline there, you know. I could, I could just sort of enjoy that parent and watch them wrestle. I could, I could be a prayer partner. What I really laughed is because that little person lives inside of my heart. And I can't tell you how many times I'm frumping and grumping and vamping. That was for John. <laughs> um, because I just don't like what God is doing. I wanted something else. And he's offered something. It's cute when it's a little kid, you know. But when you're 49, it's not so cute. As a matter of fact, nothing I do is so cute. (laughs) Um, Except my shirt today. It has little hollies on it. I want everyone to notice that. Okay. But it's worse still when the God of the universe has offered his son and the world is frumped up against him. And too often, too often, the church gets caught up in all the beautiful, don't think I'm disdaining this, we get caught up in the beautiful stories around this time of year, and we forget that when we're looking in the cradle, we're looking at the cross. And what God did was he sent his son into the world, and the world rejected him. And that's our big idea tonight. Jesus came to the world, and with a message of light and salvation, the world didn't know him, and they rejected him and killed him. It wasn't just a small kid crossing their arms and stomping their feet and frowning and being a bit rude. They took the blessed, beautiful son of God and killed him. They rejected the gift and the giver. Now, it sounds like one of them things that's just a unique message for lost people, somebody that doesn't know God. oh, y'all need to hear this. I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. They lost. but well, how many times do do we still reject the beautiful gift and the beautiful gift giver? How much do we frump around? My goal will be tonight to make us look into that absolutely incredible cradle, if you will, the manger, right? And to see when we peek right in there and we see sweet little baby Jesus, that we still see the cross and the light of the world and the God who is sending him to save us and to sanctify us. If you would, read just a few verses from John chapter number 1 beginning to verse number 9 with me. The Bible reads like this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will, nor of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, we humbly ask you to help us get a vision for the light among us, the light that was sent to us. And Father, help us in a fresh way to receive Jesus and let him do a fresh work in our hearts. Give us Christmas revival. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. You know, I, I love John. You know, I, in January we're going to start working our way through Colossians, but I could just be satisfied, just keep going through John for two or three years. Because if you really, John is like Romans in that way. You could crawl through it for a long time and, and do it total justice. It wouldn't it wouldn't be wrong to do that, to camp out. But tonight, I want to share with you just a few thoughts around this question. Are you willing to receive Jesus? Now, now somebody's saying, you know, somebody's saying, like, I'll pick on Andrew. He's my friend. He'll let, Andrew's like, I have received Jesus. I can check out, right? So I can say to Andrew, well, Andrew, are you willing to receive his work today? Are you willing to relish Jesus today? If he's he's coming to you in a fresh way and communicating, giving you light tonight, will you receive this fresh light? He might even tell you an old thing in a fresh way. Call your mind. You know, and so I can say, hey, Andrew, you've been walking with the Lord since you was five. And you're like, you know what, 33 now? Yeah, he's old. You know, will you receive Jesus more? Will you see more of Jesus? And it could be, somebody could be listening online, could be in this room, and you could be wrestling with, Man, I'm, let me be honest, I'm one of them people that that I don't mind being Christian-ish, but I don't know if I want to really receive Jesus. And I've been praying that maybe in simplicity that God will just speak to your heart and let you see it's really an invitation into the family. It's not a condemnation, it's not a joy kill, it's an invitation to join the family. I've been praying for you. Let me share three quick things. Number one, simple thought. The world did not accept Jesus, but scorned him and put him to death on the cross. We know that, so it begs this question to my heart. But why? Why? You know, he just just came to be nice to us. Why, Why kill him? Well, the first three verses that we read tonight really clear that up. First things first, look at this. Jesus came as a light for every person. Now, what's the problem with this? Maybe I can explain it like this. Every year, my life matters. We get an audit, and I hate it. I don't hate it on the basis of being concerned that they'll find something wrong. You know, I just don't. Um, When Sandra Witt had that job, when Noel Hayward had that job, now that Mandy Loon has that job, the excellence in bookkeeping the integrity of our staff with spending and all. I don't worry about that. I just hate that that lady sits in a room for six hours and then we get a bill for (laughs) $5,000. All right, but you can see the illustration. Some people, some people's money handling is just like this device right here. It would be hard for them to hand that over to someone and say, Look indiscriminately at all the activity here. I mean, don't answer this out loud, but would all of you guys bring your phone up to me tonight and let me look through them? Don't answer. Be careful with your nods. Some of you guys are like, if you'll just let me delete those three texts where that contractor really made me mad and I said what was on my mind. Other people are like, uh, where's the factory settings? Let me. Oh, Jesus is the light of the world. And he came, and when we think about, as verse 9 says, he's the true light that came to everyone. Jesus becomes this standard whereby everything is looked at morally and righteousnessly. In other words, he's the standard of righteousness. I can't say the word, but I know what I'm talking about. He's a light for every person, and that that offends some people. He come to give knowledge. He come to shed light on both sin and righteousness, and Jesus came to enlighten us about the Father. The, The problem with that is anything that's not in agreement with him, we begin immediately wrestling with, do I want to agree with God about that? And don't just think negatively. I, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I have my wife's permission. Nobody get offended for her. She's okay with this. My wife's one of the most phenomenal people I know. But when God started dealing with her on giving, she had a tremendous wrestling match. I mean, tremendous. Her step one was fine. You just handle all of that. Like, you know, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to give up. I just don't want to know how much we're giving. Because <laughs> we decided we only had one checkbook and all that stuff, you know, one checking account. Just, you know. And then you know she would she would tell me things like I'm going to give five dollars to the United Way, and I thought she wanted applause. <laughs> she just she had handed all the giving over to me, and she wanted to know was that okay? Was that you know? But it was it was big deal. For some of us, it's really big stuff. When Jesus starts working in our lives, he, it's 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 not just an issue. There are some issues. It's very difficult. And it feels like he's coming to alter us. And that, that feels invasive. It feels like he's saying, hey, hand me your phone. I want to look at all this mess you've been doing. <sighs> oh. So the problem is there's more in our minds and hearts than we could ever store on our phone. And he takes a look at that too. So when you say the light came and they rejected him, you go, no, I would never do that. We do, though, don't we? But it's not just that negative side, it's that positive side. He's like, this is God. He's creator. He's the Lord of the universe. What's your relationship with him like? He wants to be a good, good father to you. He sheds light on stuff, and it upset a lot of people. Think about the story of John 3 when he starts talking to Nicodemus. You remember he tells Nicodemus, he says, hey, man, you're supposed to be a leader, and you don't even get like, you don't even get morality 99. You don't get spiritual life 101. You you know, you're supposed to be a teacher and you're at entry-level courses. What's up, man? And they weren't even arguing. Nicodemus wasn't even offended, but he was still blown away. Have you ever been there when Jesus shows up and you're just blown away by what he's showing you about yourself? And it wasn't about Nicodemus at first. It was about, Nicodemus, do you know you have to be born again? That concept rattled Nicodemus. It floored him. He went, wait a minute. And he wasn't even being a smart aleck. Are you saying I got to go back in my mom's womb? It tore his nerves up. That's what light does. What do you do? What do you do when someone suddenly shines a light in your face? What do you do? Everybody mimic it. What do you do? You either do this or what? This. You hide you or you rebel them, repel them. Suddenly, if Jesus is the light coming into the world, we can see how that works. Now think back to the garden. What did they do when God came walking? They ran ahead, but God called them out of the darkness. What did they do then? They started pointing fingers at each other, started pointing fingers at the devil, pointing fingers at God. Well, you can almost put an umbrella between yourself and the righteousness of heaven. But when heaven steps down onto your sidewalk, it's sort of hard to ignore it. And that's what Christmas is really all about. The world didn't accept Jesus. That's what the scripture says. They didn't recognize him for who he was. They hated the light. They didn't recognize that he was the creator and that, that, the problem with hating the light is you, you don't want to see, you know, you don't want it on you, but you also, by blocking the light, miss what else is shining on. And they don't want to recognize the creator, creation. They did not want to recognize the one who made it. He's walking around in it, and he made it. And you know what? That's a spiritual problem. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. That's not only a spiritual problem, but it was a moral problem. Anybody ever been in that situation where you walked in a room and everybody oddly stopped what they were doing? You ever been there? I'm most times the the one who oddly stops what I'm doing. (laughs) You you ever ever dealt with a kid and, and and like, before you even say anything, they say, I wasn't doing nothing? That's a confession of what? They was doing something. (laughs) You ever ever had that thing where your kids were too quiet? You're like, something's going on. (laughs) Do I smell smoke? Never happened? Never? Okay. It's a moral problem because when Jesus shows up and he says things like, love your enemy, go, wait a minute. You're not serious about that. Forgive 490 times. That'll be a good start. You couldn't be serious about that. Pay your taxes. Oh, Jesus couldn't have meant that. Surely he was jesting. Submit to evil authorities. Oh! Not my president. (laughs) Jesus just tends to pull everything out there and show us that his righteous life rattles our unrighteous existence. And when I look at the cradle, I see the cross. I also see the creator. And I know that the visitation's not just something that tinsel can represent. His own despised him. That was the biggest shame of it. That's what verse number 11 tells us, actually. Uh, they didn't recognize the creator, but they also, they just flat out despised him. I won't turn there. I really want to. We'll flash through it. I'll let you guys see the scriptures. But in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus tells this parable. And I'll give you guys a quick paraphrase verse. This is guy owned a vineyard. We sent messengers to the people who were working the vineyard. They disregarded the messengers. He said, Listen, I'll send my beloved son. They send a beloved son, and look at this last verse. Look at verse 39, okay? This is what they say, verse 38 and 39. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have it as inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. that's just the story of what happened with Jesus. Now, thankfully, I, I, I have to represent the passage. The passage says the light's coming to the world. He was coming and he came. When he came in the world, the world didn't recognize him. And worse than that, they didn't receive him. And there was this group of people that should have known better. There was this group of people that should have gotten it, and they didn't get it. And that's the saddest part of it all. See if you guys can help me finish this verse. It's not going to be on the screen on purpose. Judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. Do you guys know that's in the Bible? Why? Why? Because we're the ones who know. Good news, though. Where does blessing also begin? At the house of the Lord. At the house of the Lord. Amen. Secondly, secondly, and this actually backs us up a little bit, but it's worth it. Though rejected, Jesus' coming was no failure. He is unquenchable light. He's unquenchable light. Now, you guys say, wait a minute. They did, they did quench the light. They crucified him to death. Because you know, they didn't always crucify everybody to death. Did y'all know that? Sometimes they would crucify people for a little while and take them down. That's that thing where, like, uh, one of my brother's favorite moves was to get my arm behind my back. And uh, he would threaten to, he said, I can take it out of socket. That's what he used to say. I could dislocate it. That's the word I was looking for. And, he, and it felt like he was getting ready to pop. And I'm that dummy that won't say uncle. I just wouldn't. He, and he, he'd tell me, he would choke me and say, I could kill you. And I'd say, do it. <laughs> I, was, I was about 18. This never occurred to me before, this moment. I was about 18. I says, if I do, would dislocated my shoulder. My dad would have killed him. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) He would have my arm. He'd I dislocate your shoulder. You know what I'd say, don't you? Do it. So Satan bruised the Messiah's heel. He didn't break his head. Jesus was dead, and they really did bury him. That is the gospel. But guess what? He rose from the grave. Amen? John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'll never forget one time, I, I put a, I, I accidentally put the light in my own face. I was working on a car in the dark, and, and I had one of those shop lights hanging up. And it flopped over, and it surprised me, and I just reached up and put my hand on it. It had been burning for a long time. So, it was so hot, it burnt my palm. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, that was done. And I was done working on the vehicle because my hand was out, you know, it's cold water, blah, blah, blah. That's that moment. That's that moment. Darkness was like, oh, I got you, light. <clears throat> okay, psych, I don't. And suddenly, he's out of the grave. Across the scope of eternity will darkness reign longer than light. Will wickedness exist longer than righteousness? No. I find that really encouraging. Thirdly and lastly, I want to say that if you can see that what Jesus wants to do is absolutely, yes, show you your sin. All right. Yes. And it's tough. He also wants to show you things you didn't know, and that can often be alarming. So sin, tough. Things I didn't know, alarming. What the light also wants to do is to show you the Father. And so suddenly, receiving Jesus becomes the most sensible countercultural move you could ever make. It is the way to stand against the darkness and the wickedness in the world. It It is the way. I know a lot of people have been watching The Mandalorian. Well, a lot of people on Facebook, and that's what the guy says all the time, right? It's the way. And, and I don't even like that saying. I know he's saying it's the Mandalorian way. And if Steve wasn't, if Steve's in Kansas on vacation, or else he would probably be having some sort of mental breakdown right now that I'm talking junk about something Star Wars. <laughs> he may be watching it and having a mental breakdown anyway. But, you know, it's a TV show. It's not the way. This is the way. I don't even like that saying. I'm like, this, that, that's not the way. They say, Tim, calm down. It's the Mandalorian way. But it's not the way. To receive the light of Jesus and let him, let him call you on the stuff that is sin. Let him alarm you with truth, but also let him show you the Father. That's the, I intentionally listened to a couple sermons this week on this passage, and, and I don't mind that someone said the light coming into the world and he shone on sin. I, I don't mind it because it's true. I listened to two different preachers who never got to this part. The light also shows you the Father. You were dead, you were blind, your ears were stopped up, you couldn't see Him. And He goes, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's the goal. The goal that Jesus has is to show you the Father. Now, for me, when people used to say that, that was very troubling. I did not have the greatest earthly dad or great relationship with my earthly dad, so my thinking was, "Why do I need? Why do I need another dad?" So I'm gonna tell y'all one of the most corny stories ever of how God started to show me His father heart. I was lost as a ball in high weeds. My thinking was as jacked up as a '72 Pontiac on the side of I-40. But I had suddenly, for the first time in my army time, I was away from all my friends. I had been singularly stationed somewhere else, right at Christmas. Oh, And I was sitting up there in my barracks alone on Christmas Day, buying Coors Light out of a vending machine one by one, getting hammered. And I was... Listening to recordings of WAKG 103.3 out of Danville, Virginia. I had brought cassette tapes from home. No joke. And reading my Bible. <laughs> There's the whole scene. <laughs> got the window open. My, my roommate was very cold natured. My brand new roommate, and we were having a culture war. He's got the heat turned wide open. I've got the windows open. And I'm sitting there having this talk with God. You know, I'm lost. And I told God something I wouldn't have told another human soul. I said, God, I'm really lonely. I don't like this. I don't like this whole, I mean, you know, if I could just have some friends around, if I had made some new friends already, I'd I'd be okay. And I was like, you know, if, if you really are a good father, you know, this is the way I felt then, if you're a good father, you'd make it snow. I went and got another beer. It's no joke. 75 percent of the time in the vending machine. I sat down, put my feet on the windowsill, and the snowflakes started falling. It snowed 14 inches. Now, the weather front. What's so funny? You threw me off, Casey. I was, I was like, man, I must have said this must have been like my art this week. I must have gone too far. Uh, I... I know, God. I'm not done. I was drunk. I, I'm, I'm, be, I'm not being ridiculous. I'm really, truly opening my heart to you. I, I was drunk. I'm not going to lie. And I know the weather had been coming for some days. and the wind, I, know, I knew that then. But you couldn't have told me that God himself didn't show up and touch my heart. And I sat there and cried like a baby. And I wasn't crying because I was lonely anymore. It was just the opposite. I, I felt seen. See, when I look at that manger, I'm seeing that's that's the Father has sent the Son to win sons and daughters. He looks at the spiritually dead. He looks at the eternal orphan, and says, "I want you to have life. I want you to have a family. I want you to have a daddy." The most countercultural thing you can do. Is walk with God. let receive the light. That's what he says is as many. I mean, look at the scripture yourself. As many as believed on him and received him to those he gave the right to be the children of God. And this isn't a work of the flesh. It's not a work of your flesh or another man's flesh. This is entirely a work of God. And I find it incredibly encouraging. All my time has slipped away. Let me close with this this big thought I want to unfold in a few sentences. Being a disciple of Christ is the greatest distinction on the face of the planet. Y'all ever thought about that? There's two kinds of people on Judgment Day. Those whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life and those who aren't. You ever thought about that? Guarantee you, guarantee you, I, I can't play basketball like John. Guarantee you can't play a guitar like Andrew. I'll, man, if I, if I turn and look back and Jesus turns me into a pillow of sugar, I'll never be a Swedish chasm. The thing, the thing that Peyton told me that he had to do about crawling in and out of this ladder to become a fireman, i like, number one, I'm stuck in the first hole. <laughs> number two, give me a bigger ladder, I done gave out of the second hole. There's so many wonderfully artistic people. I'm none of those things, right? And all my other distinctions don't matter. The people I like in sports, who I vote for, what color I am, my economic status, how much education I have or don't have compared to you. All that stuff, all that stuff has a time stamp. I'll tell you two things every man has in common, every man and woman, all, all mankind. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Somebody say amen. You know, the second thing every one of us bears is the image of God. And because we're image-broken, image-bearers, the Father says, I want to come to you. I want to shed light on the problem. I want to shed light on the solution. And I want you to receive it. And suddenly, what matters more than anything in the world is whether you know Jesus. And nothing else matters in comparison. Not just that. And there's so many scriptures I wanted to unfold here. I'm not going to do it. I think you guys get, I think the Spirit's opening it better than I could. Being a disciple of Christ is the greatest distinction. It's also the highest privilege. (laughs) You ever thought about that? It is the highest privilege to walk with God. You know, me and Ray was chatting when Brett was saying he didn't want us to stop chatting. And I was getting ready to tell Ray a little story real quick, and Brett stopped us from chatting. But Ray, you know, my dad, friends would come over. You know, and y'all might have to think about how funny this really is. But my dad, would all he loved to tell our friends, he'd say, make yourself at home. Just remember you ain't. <laughs> it seems welcoming. You're like, you're like, make myself at home. And then he immediately says, but this ain't your house, <laughs> right? So God says, make yourself at home. Because you are. When we believe on the works of the Lord Jesus, when we receive him as prophet who reveals God to us, priest who represents us before the Father, and king who leads us in his nation of new humanity, prophet, priest, and king, when we receive all of Jesus. When we believe on his work and receive his lordship, his friendship, and his kinship, God says, All because of Jesus. All because of his offices and his works. You believe on his offices and his works, and you're adopted. You're in my family, and there's no turning back, and you're mine. When I look into the cradle, I see the cross. When I look at the cross, I see the intersection of all of eternity. And at that intersection, I see the opportunity to be part of God's family forever. What do you get when you get God as your father? You get fatherly love, and inside of fatherly love, you get fatherly blessing, fatherly anointing, fatherly guiding, fatherly discipline. You get all of that. You get the whole package, and it's just. He doesn't do it wrong. You know that story in Luke 11 says, you know, hey, even a a messed up dad. I mean, you know, I'll pick on Casey. Casey, you're not a perfect dad, but if Gracie comes to you and says, hey, dad, I'm hungry, you're not going to give her a rock in the place of a biscuit. Even a messed up dad knows how to provide good gifts. How much more so does your father in heaven know how to give you the Holy Ghost, which is the most important thing? You get intimate access. You ever thought about that? I love it when you guys share with me your burdens. You talk through problems with me. I love it. I love it. And I pray it never stops. I pray we never stop being friends and we never stop working through things. But don't ever let any person be your access point to God when Jesus has already said, come all the way to the throne of grace yourself. Last part of this statement, I want to unfold, and I promise I'll do it quickly. Being a disciple of Christ is the greatest distinction and the highest privilege, and it leads to the most profound change. See, being changed by God is really a work of God. We think that, you know, like when people say, I can't. I go, yeah, you sure can't. I used to have a drinking problem, if you don't know that about me. Newsflash, right? But I, I didn't even want to quit drinking. I just didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I used to tell people, said, you know, I don't have a drinking problem. I get drunk, I fall down, no problem. I don't have a problem. You know, I'd say the difference. I had all these jokes. You know, I say, uh, you know, the difference between a drunk and an alcoholic. alcoholic is somebody drinks too much and wants to quit. A drunk is somebody drinks too much and likes it. I'm a drunk, I'm not an alcoholic. All these jokes. You know what's funny? The day I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't quit drinking because I wanted to quit drinking. I quit drinking because I had finally got drunk on something that was worth being drunk on. And I'm, I'm not kidding. It was too weak. My wife would tell you. God gave me two weeks of physical grace and then the DTs hit me one night. Boy, I laid in the concrete floor all night hurting. But I stayed high on Jesus for two solid weeks. Whatever fills you controls you and I got filled up with something. And I didn't need that. I wasn't even thinking about that. I wasn't saying, boy, I sure do need to quit drinking. I was finally drunk. I was finally filled with something. It was just good. See, that's the change happens some of it very slowly some of it very quickly but what happens is the new birth the new birth is a work of God it's a work of God God himself begins to work in you isn't it amazing didn't you see in the scripture you're not born of blood or the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God and God is dealing with a person And he's bringing Jesus to them, and he is challenging that person in their spirit to believe on Jesus and receive him. You know what he's saying? He says, I want to do a work in you. I want to give spiritual new birth. I want you to be a new person. I want you to start anew. To the believer, he says, Let me do a fresh work in you. Let me bring more of Jesus. I'm going to crowd something out. I'm going to make some space bigger, and I'm going to make Jesus bigger in your life. When I look in the cross, when I look in the cradle, I look at the cross. When I see the cross, I see the intersection. And at the intersection, it's always an invitation to press on with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, sometimes people won't ever forgive you. I got in some trouble in San Francisco one time. And these San Francisco policemen told me it'd be a good idea if I never came back to California. I've been back, but they told me that's like it's a good idea if you never come back to California. And I was like, I don't want nothing in California, no way. <laughs> All right? Some people never forgive you. Do you know that? I'm a convicted felon. I don't think the federal government's ever gonna forgive me. But see, the government's dealing with that old guy. God's dealing with the new guy. God will let you start over. Sometimes people won't, but God will. He'll write a new record. He'll even give you a new name. I mean, you don't even know it. He's written it down in heaven. He's like, I'm going to let him live into that. (laughs) We'll come to that. I hope my name is something, my new name is something like Thor or something like that. I've been talking to God about that. I want it to be something really cool, epic. No, I don't want to be, oh, Shamgar would be good, but I want to be Thor. I can't lie. That's always my code name for stuff, Thor. I was telling you last night, Catherine, I want to name one of my kids Hammer. No joke. And then that dumb song Hammer Time came out. I was like, I'll never be able to name my child Hammer now. <laughs> just imagine, Katie, your name could have been Hammer Ruth. <laughs> Katie, Katie Hammer or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you need a new start. Maybe God drew you out right now tonight just to show you that. He's still in the business of communicating with you. He sees you right where you are. Some of you guys, some of you guys are kind of like my really worldly self. You're asking God to show up. Maybe, maybe maybe John chapter 1 verses 9 through 13 is your snowstorm. And you hear God saying way down and deep inside of you, I'll bring you to my family. Would you believe Would you believe on the works and the offices of Christ? Would you receive him as your Savior, your Lord, your friend, your king? Would you receive him in the fullness of who he is? Just let him be him to you. You know what? I'll adopt you, and you'll be part of my family. That's what God holds out, and that's salvation. The starting point is to become a full member of his family. That's the starting point. And you know what he does with anything in his hand. He holds it. I don't know where you are tonight, but believer, maybe you needed to be reminded of how good your dad is and the reason this baby came. It's not just a cute story. Or Maybe, and the crowd decides it's, it's possible that somebody really needs to trust Christ tonight. God sent him for you, and he's serious. He's not ignoring your sin, but he's also showing you his son. The light does both things. And he wants you to be free from the weight of shame and guilt. And he wants you to believe on him. Now, you don't need me. You don't need me to step right there and you come and let me say some prayer. You know what you need to do? Humble yourself before the Lord. Just get out on your knees or, or sit down in your seat quietly. I mean, you know, I've got to deal with you sitting on your behind or your knees. He's good like that. And you talk to him because he's the one bringing new life to you. And if you do that, we'd love to know your decision. That's beautiful, to make your decision public. Because your brothers and sisters want to know. I can't wait. Andrew's told, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a spoiler, but just get over it. I love you, you love me. Boy, he's got some powerful songs for us to meditate to here. I pray you guys really listen. You really listen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this beautiful word from John chapter 1. Thank you for the reminder that the light isn't just about showing us how horrible we are. The light is also about showing us how good you are. Thank you for the offer of adoption. Thank you that when I was all frumped up and rebelling in every possible way I could, you still brought me into the family, kicking and screaming until the last moment. And you loved me like a son ever since. You've chastened me because I am a son. Father, I pray you deal with each and every individual in this room and those listening online. Encourage, chasten, call, woo. Holy Spirit, you're able to do it all simultaneously, and we humbly ask you to work. and cause men and women and boys and girls to repent and trust Christ in a fresh way tonight, or maybe even for the first time. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus we pray. Amen.